You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Kenneth. And tonight we are looking at the final two episodes. Star Hunter Redux. Episodes Season 2, 21 and 22. Hyperspace 1 and Hyperspace 2. Episode synopsis of Hyperspace 1. Marcus contemplates his recent almost success at achieving hyperspace using negative energy and an antimatter drive. He, he finds an obscure scientific paper describing just that possible scenario published by a Dr. Lansing. A bit of an obscure crank. He wakes Travis from a sexy time dream with Callie. Well, technically he wakes the entire crew from their sleep, although probably not all from sexy time dreams with Callie, to impart this currently inactionable bit of information. Travis returns to sleep, but this time dreams himself into hyperspace, where he meets a woman who declares that he is the one, and that now that he's found her, he needs to go find her. She doesn't know where, and provides no help. Travis returns to the ship. Marcus's further reading of Lanzig's paper indicates that if you could calculate the pulse gap, you could achieve hyperspace, and to calculate the pulse gap, you need a horizon generator. Thinking that they have a brand new pair of roller skates and Lansik has the key, they decide to track him down. Meanwhile, the new orchard are up to their old tricks. Starchild Tristan Catchpole and his confederates inside the orchard have plans for the human race, and they need more people who have activated the second divinity cluster gene. He detects a disturbance in the force when Montana meets the woman in hyperspace. It's not Montana... It's the woman that's activated the second gene, and they need to secure her. They decide to let Montana track her down for them. Lansing is gone off the grid, erasing all evidence of his existence, but not so his assistant, Dr. Salem. They track her down, and she is the woman from hyperspace. She recognizes Travis as the one, and they are attacked by Orchard's goon squad. Salem is taken, Travis knocked unconscious, and Callie has a minor wound in her shoulder. Back on the Transutopian, they track the clandestine orchard ship back to Mars. Also, Callie dies. Apparently, the round she was hit with was poisoned because... reasons. As she dies, she says the word, again, and Travis phases into hyperspace, revisiting the moment she was shot. Thinking that if they could get into hyperspace, they might be able to go back and rescue Callie, they bark on a mission to retrieve Salem. While they lost Dr. Zalon, they did manage to secure her horizon generator. Oh, by the way, Lansing was the fictional character created as a front for Dr. Zalon. A dangerous but short mission to Mars, and they recover her. As the orchard ship is about to capture the transutopian, they plug the horizon generator in, and the ship moves to hyperspace. End of part one. And I have to say, and before we go on to part two, I have to say, I walked out of this episode going, wow, that is the best episode of Star Hunter Redux we have ever had. I hope they can carry this forward into Hyperspace 2. So, Hyperspace 2. Percy, Marcus, and Rudolfo are each stuck on three different color-shifted alternative versions of the Transutopian, which is still in hyperspace. Caravaggio is missing, but the ship's computer informs each of them they are both alone and not alone on board the ship. Each detects the presence of another. Tristan Catchpole is there too, trying to get the Horizon Generator, which he cannot, until the three crew members manage to reintegrate the color-shifted versions of the Transutopian into one ship. Even if they do that, it's still going to fall apart. Meanwhile, Travis and Dr. Zalon are in a hyperspace cloud. She must train him to control, not check, his emotions by trying to do something with his emotions. This is the only way he can activate the second divinity cluster gene and the only way he can go back in time and rescue Callie. A desperate gamble aboard the Transutopian and a last-ditch effort by Travis result in the timeline being altered and Callie surviving and the Transutopian being reintegrated. Catchpole steals the Horizon Generator and with it stages a coup at the orchard. 
He's bringing those ancient aliens home to roost in the wasp's egg food source that is humanity. Travis and Ceylon return to the ship, tech the tech, and attempt to leave hyperspace, although things aren't looking good when the episode ends. Also, some idiot tacked on some really awful footage of old Percy and Dante Montana doing some really dumb stuff in this episode. The end. Goodbye and good ridmoots. Okay. They... (laughs) That last one was crap. (laughs) But okay. It's actually really really footage. Ditched that. Yeah, it's awful footage. But I mean, they, they, they took that plane they were flying finally they were just getting up to altitude and tossed it in the ocean with that one wow all right my my opinion has been made known what what do you think of hyperspace one and two i actually enjoyed them was this written by the same guy that wrote that terrible episode where we did everything over and over again no no wow no stole a bad idea from a bad other story the off the writer was hudson king Had he done any others? That is, these are the only two for the series. And when I check IMDb, I see... Really? Yes. When I check IMDb, I see that this does not even show up on his page. Well, I don't blame him. Really? So they turned over the, the cliffhanger season finale to a guy never written to the show before. That's bizarre. In That's fact, really bizarre. In fact, his IMDb, his IMDb page lists Mr. King as a director, an actor, a producer, and it also gives him a credit in the camera and, and electrical department. The earliest listing is in 2011. That sounds like it's not even the same guy. And it could be, but he's the only Hudson King on IMDb. So it could be a different Hudson King. Wow. Okay. Or could be a, a a fake name. I don't know. That's I don't know. This is really. I mean, it's really strange. Um. I mean, uh, fair dues. I really the first episode I watched through it. It was it was a relatively linear plot. It was uh, engaging. It was uh, reasonably action packed and interesting. And their motivations weren't. The, I mean, the only thing that really bugged me about it is the illogic of firing poison darts in that situation, but or poison rounds, but I, I can explain why I think that's weird. But apart from that, you know, the actions of our characters were on spot. We got, uh, we finally got an answer. It wasn't very good, but we finally got an answer out of Percy, why she didn't like hyperspace. Well, we got two answers from Percy, why she didn't like hy- hyperspace, but... Uh, you know, it, it it seemed to be following, it seemed to be following a logical path through, and I was actually kind of looking forward to the second half of it, and I just, they just dumped it. They just, they just lost it with that second episode. Makes no sense. Doesn't go anywhere. The footage that they added is terrible. Um, I, I, I think, I think, if I were gonna guess that if you just removed all the footage with Dante and old Percy, the episode hangs together just as well because the person that is and isn't on the ship is Catchpole, not old yes, Percy. It's true, yes. And so uh, there's also a scene that makes no sense where Percy is suddenly in jail and we never saw her get put there. Okay, I can answer this question. I can answer yeah. several questions. Because this afternoon, I took about two and a half hours easily. I had the I had the DVD with the Star Hunter twenty three hundred episode, Hyperspace Two, and I then on on one computer I had the the file which is the the Redux version. Uh-huh. And I was I played. First of all, I started with the original version. And I watched it to a point and paused. Then I played the Redux version to a point and paused. And I went back and forth and back and forth. And I was noticing differences. Okay. In the in the original version, there um, is um, we in the in, I'll back up and rephrase. In the original version, we do not see 
catch, pull, place Percy in the brig. Okay. But he obviously he... did did off screen. Okay. Strange, but all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it's not like when I watch Star Hunter Redux, I think, gosh, I bet the show is a lot better when it was Star Hunter 2300 either. But still, that's strange because why did he do that? To keep her from running around until he wanted her to, to, to run to get busy and run around, I guess. I don't know. But in to Marcus, he, he zapped instead of putting him in the cell. You're right. Or Rudolfo, he didn't even, I don't know, did he even, he didn't even have an interaction with Rudolfo. It's like, I, I'm not saying that it's not possible for him to get smarter with each iteration, you know. So, I mean, he his smartest move was to just follow Rudolfo and see what was going on. And that one was the one that worked best for him. But, um, yeah, I, I, but why he locked Percy up, I don't. No, and if he hadn't locked Percy up, would she have gotten around to the idea of firing the pulse thing at the wrong time, and then it wouldn't have, that wouldn't have all happened at the same moment, reintegrating the ship at the right time? That is possible. See, but I don't feel like he was trying to do that to save them in any way, shape, or form. So he was trying to reintegrate the ship, but that's certainly not very clear. And didn't we see a scene where? Percy went down to the the brig and she was looking around and yes. then we cut away and then when we come back she's been locked up. So it's like they had the scene and they just for some reason decided <laughs> I, I've given up trying to figure out what, what's supposed to make sense. Um, but let's talk about those guns. So Yeah, with the ones with the darts that calls heart failure. Well, I'm not sure it's a dart, but you know it imparts. It imparts. A, they they seem to be proper guns, and they seem to be using them as proper guns. And I, so for example, a gun is meant to kill someone. It's it's really not designed to wound people. It can be used to do that, but it's not designed to do that. It is it is meant to be a lethal weapon. I don't think I'm taking a controversial stand there. That's, That's true. what a handgun is done, and. When you are in a situation in combat, which these people were, you want that gun to kill them or at least completely incapacitate them so that they are no longer a threat to you. Okay? Yes. Now, they shot Callie, and it did incapacitate her, so it achieved the job that the gun was intended to do. What is the logic between having it dissolve your heart an hour or so later? I mean, what if it hadn't incapacitated her? What if she had it, she'd taken that shot in her left hand? It hadn't incapacitated her. She'd killed all of them, and then she'd gone an hour and died. They've got the dumbest guns ever in that case, in that scenario. They, they're, now, you know, you could argue there might be reasons to have non-lethal guns. Stun phasers are a fantastic idea on Star Trek because it does incapacitate it still incapacitates without killing. Right. But the job of a gun, in this case, is to incapacitate your opponent. And that gun might not do that. And... <laughs> okay. But does, I, I, but does kill. It does. It definitely does kill. And it will kill you one way or the other, even if we didn't incapacitate. And I mean, it could be it's just be, I'm a rotten bastard gun. Right? Oh, did I only wound you? <laughs> You're going to die. But... It would be better to put more firepower into the gun to make sure that it kills you instantaneously. The hour delay is the problem, right? It it's that's that's the issue. It's like or however long it was, but it wasn't. You know, it wasn't just got you on the spot. I mean, it gave it gave Travis his his moment to shine, but <laughs> quite literally, right. yes, it but, did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, that was. And, and it, you know, the, yeah, the, the whole second episode were in the three colors, which Percy's just so looked purple to me and not blue, but yeah. Okay. I, I get well, it. Red, and, green, and, blue. And Marcus was red shifted. They looked pink. Yeah. He looked pink to me. I, I have them written down as purple, pink and, and green. And, but it's like, all right, they're, they're trying to go for RGB. So well, I'll, I'll may, give them that. Well, may I go for another science fiction reference? Green, purple. 
Um, green, purple. I mean, it's not coming. Ring a bell. The Drazi. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Okay. The green, the purple. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. So, I, I would have seen the, the relevance there, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there are right. there are colors. Soylent green, that's green too. I'm sure there's other soylents of different colors. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, but well, I'll try, try 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 not to spoil a movie from yeah from 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 uh, yeah. from, from, from 50 years ago. But Soylent green is okay, people. Well, well, don't don't spoil an episode of Babylon Five about the Drazi either. Okay, <laughs> all right. You know, um, <laughs> so the what I noticed was that there were an awful lot of scenes where not only did they have to repeat the same thing over and over again, particularly the computer, which makes no sense why the computer wasn't Caravaggio, but okay. And um, the fact that not only did they repeat it over and over again, but then some scenes, they basically were just like tag-teaming the dialogue. So if I take this thing and shoot it, then we'll create an abort bubble, and then we can do this. But we'll have to do it all the... And then there's this thing, and it's like, this is... They're trying to make an incredibly exposition-heavy scene. They're trying to break it up over three people, but it just didn't work. It didn't work for me. And that style, minus the color shifting, reminded me of a twist in time from the first season. Right, that's why I was asking if the same guy wrote it, because it, you know, I I hated that one too. Okay, on the other hand, I can tell you this. The writer of A Twist in Time was Peter I. Horton. Uh, he was named Peter, on this Peter one, yeah. I. Horton is was he does have a credit on Hyperspace 1 and 2 as the head writer. Uh-huh. I kind of wonder if, if maybe there was some head writer stuff going on here. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. I, I, I was... All right. So all of that was just basically kind of killing time. It really was. I mean... All, all fairness, if if you, again, tried to look at the whole episode as, as 80, 88 minutes or whatever it is, that was not really advancing the plot any. Uh, just giving three people the opportunity to go like, things are bad and it's falling apart. And who's this computer? Oh, I got to turn the computer on. And, and so I, I get that. That was, just a, that was just a filler move to wait to get them up so that Travis has time to go through his Luke Skywalker training, which I didn't understand any of that. He has to control his emotions and not... Right, he's like the most stoic guy. And not be stoic. He has to control them He has, and not let them get... Because he's terrified that he will fall prey to them. Can you explain to me what the difference is between controlling them and keeping them in check? Is keeping something in check keeping it in control? From, I mean, that, well, I that's get the, impression the problem. That, that, that he's been bottling them up and trying to ignore them and controlling them and in the, in just not include ignoring them. That's what I take away from it. Uh, okay. I did write See, this that's... down. See, I, I have four pages of notes here, so I can. I have some. I took my time. I, I paused and I wrote notes. One activates the second gene of the divinity cluster by experiencing emotions, plural possessive. Yep. Full intensity in order to control them. Yes. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. And if the exercise had been to put Travis in places where he would do things like, instead of seeing Callie die and go, "Mm." instead if he broke down crying and fully experienced the emotions. But he didn't do that. And he meets his mom, and he's mad at his mom, and he doesn't get mad at his mom. He doesn't. He doesn't shout at her and try to beat on her or or anything. And right, so he's got to experience the emotions, but he doesn't really appear to be experiencing the emotions. And giving us the admittedly hilariously funny line, possibly the funniest line in the entire series. I'm a physicist, not a therapist. That was hilarious. And it also explains why she doesn't seem to be able to explain what he's supposed to do right. either. And I never saw him do whatever it was he was supposed to do. So he just meets his mom, talks to her for a few seconds, and now he's controlled that emotion? I don't get it, right? It just, it, it seems to be contrary to what he's supposed to be. He should, have, he should have experienced them and then brought them back under control. That would have made more sense, right? Okay, 
you got it. You cried. You're sad. Suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. Now you now you know how to embrace them and control them instead of not allowing yourself to feel them, which I guess is what they're trying to claim keeping them in check means. So that all of that part was just kind of weird. And would Dr. Ceylon have died too if the Transutopian had blown up uh, while they were in the hyperspace cloud? I Cause, guess they all would have died. Because it's just... Uh, there was this sudden, I'm here. Remember, there was a bit about I'm here and there. Right. Tristan did that same thing, too. That was completely different from when he popped up before and said, you know, we've just hyperspaced to this alien planet. That implied like he was really gone. And in fact, he was really gone because he wasn't He wasn't where he was. He was His not body on the was gone. So I, there was this kind of, if the transutopian blows up, we can't go you can't go back. I couldn't tell if Ceylon couldn't go back because she's she's supposed to be able to hyperspace around now. And that didn't, you know, was she in a hurry? We got a hurry to do this. Oh, I see, yeah. Well, they, they, they had to hurry back to try to save the others. Yeah. Now, I'm going to, I know we're going to, we're going to come up against, uh, uh, I'm going to come up against a wall here in a little bit. But let let me try to play around with Travis a little bit right. longer. Well, <laughs> right. I, I guess I have to I have to deal with the tacked on footage. Um, yeah. As a whole, let's start with the tacked on footage. Uh, obviously, the scenes with Percy poking her heads in were were pointless. Um, the the scene where she's sitting around the computer playing virtual strings is awful, and I and I mean that I don't just mean that in the it's doing nothing for the show i mean it looks terrible it 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 looks ludicrous it it goes on vastly too long i mean just uh, stretch this stretch that stretch the other stretch this sweet that's and just on and on even my wife who was not watching this show is just like what the hell is she doing and i go they're just they just got a graphics package they wanted to use and they didn't know when to say cut, and they're just going on and on, and that, you know, uh, that footage is bad and doesn't do anything. For some reason, they pop Caravaggio in to talk to her for a few seconds. Oh, don't forget that. Um, for we we got the we have a recast Penny from Star Hunter to twenty three hundred. I I I wasn't gonna forget her. I wasn't gonna forget her. Um, they went. People went back to the original actress, Heather Bell. Bat- they, Heather Bell met more. They did. Yeah, in Star Hunter in, in Star Hunter in Star Hunter twenty three hundred, it was a different actress. Okay, so is yeah. it and, and she different uh, lines? Okay, so what? What what? You you wait. You're telling me they recast the scene where Travis is talking to his mom, and they brought back Heather Bell Matt Moore. Who played Penny in season one? To, and they to, changed her lines. To yes, okay. That we're gonna we are gonna come back to that. Okay, so in the stupid stupid scene, the stupid tag scene on the stupid scenes with Dante at the the painting, and he's talking to the the coffee waitress, and the coffee wait he says the coffee waitress looks like Penny. Yeah, and she does for a reason, because that actress is Kavanaugh Matmore. That's the one that plays it in 2300, right? No, no. No. Kavanaugh Matmore, as a baby, played Baby Travis in those Baby Travis flashbacks in the first season. Wait, hold on. You're saying that the woman that was serving coffee to Dante is actually the baby that played Travis in the TV show? Yes. That is not why he says you look like Penny. Well, she 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 looks like Penny because in real life the actress the two actresses are related. She doesn't look like Penny. They were obviously two completely different people, and I couldn't figure out why he said, "Is it because that why you look like Penny?" I'm like, she doesn't look anything like that woman. I mean, apart from she has a hair and face, and you know that sort of look. But I would never ever have thought. And and wait, now she's related to the one who was brought back into. To redo the scenes for yes, Redux? Yes. yes. So they couldn't just use her. They brought her back in, but they couldn't use her as the cafe 
girl. Okay. That doesn't, okay, that doesn't make any sense okay, either. Maybe um, I'm trying to be clear. Maybe I'm not I'm being clear. So I'll back up and start over. Yeah, for Back in 2003, for Star Hunter 2300, uh-huh. the uh, Michelle Duquet played Penny Montana. Okay. Yeah. yeah. For the reshoot, Heather Bell Matt Moore, otherwise known as Heidi Von Paleski, who uh, who had played Penny in season one, took back the part of Penny Montana. Okay. And her daughter, who was uh, right around eighteen at the time, played the wait played the alien waitress in the diner. Okay. Yeah, that's that's not that's just not clear enough. The the yeah, that just I get what you're saying, but that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> why why they wouldn't just use Penny uh or use the actress playing Penny instead instead of going for somebody that they felt looked enough like her that the audience would not just detect they were too I uh, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, it didn't matter. It's like it doesn't matter at all. It just drives me up, but it is it is bizarre to me that they added that they changed the dial the penny dial the actual penny dialogue they did because um if there is one thing I know you've said this before uh i I genuinely have not read the stuff you sent me from Peter Jackson or whoever the hell it is um uh, about the show. I know what you have said in the podcast, and I'm gonna still keep my flag firmly planted in the ground. Travis is Travis Montana, son of Dante. And the only way he is not the son of Travis of Dante Montana is if he is in fact actually the son of the Montana family milkman. Because because it's obvious that he is. We've already discussed the fact that they have DNA stuff that they could check in seconds. And they did regularly um, in the in the old series. And, you know, uh, Tristan Catchpole thinks he's the son of the Montanas. He goes, he gets the divinity cluster. He brings his mother, Penny Montana, out. And she says, yes, you're, you know, you're my son. Let's talk about this. I did that. I didn't know it would do to you. She's, he's clearly from her womb. Like I said, maybe Dante's not really his father. I could believe that completely believe that but you know tacking on a scene where dante new dante says there's one thing i know that's not my son it's like this is a man who every child he ran across that was in the right age range he's like that's my son i know that's my son until they go do the genetic test and he's wrong every stinking time why would we think that when he actually met his real son he would suddenly get it right (laughs) i just so I, that was, and the only reason they could possibly have that in there is to try to set up what I think they're going with, which is, you know, he's trying to position himself that if he ever gets the third season, he can bring back Dante because just because everyone else in the world hates him, he likes him and, and wants to go back. (laughs) And it doesn't work if he's not actually looking for his son, the real Travis or something of that nature. But if they redid the lines from Penny, Go with me on this. If they redid from the lines from Penny, they should have changed them in such a way that it was more obvious that that isn't actually her son or that she isn't actually Penny Montana or something. But instead to have him actually confront his mom and there's they don't address that and they and they redid it beggars beggars belief that it's such a haphazard job. These extra scenes are so haphazard that it just doesn't make any sense at all. And it doesn't add anything. And you can clearly see that the cliffhanger for the season was when the ship was going to blow up at the end. Right. That's where they were going to leave it. They've they've given him the warning, you know, maybe your skills as a raider will come in handy in your fight as the one. And I'll give him this. It does sound like they're setting that up for the story elements of season three. In fact, yes. In that moment. In fact, um, back in 2003, they, um, at the last minute, people... On the production side, learned that there would not be a season three. Now, but as far as they didn't change the ending to make it a series finale, no, so no, I think they just plowed ahead with what they were going to do. And I think a lot of I think a lot of television 
producers do that. Oh, we're going to renew this. We had this great cliffhanger. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave the cliffhanger in just to be a jerk to the people who cancel this. Maybe that maybe the audiences will get mad and write in to the networks. But yeah, no, re- right. regarding the Travis situation, I read verbatim from an email from Philip Jackson, dated um, November the 9th, 2019. We don't know if the season two Travis is an imposter with intentions of deceit or a victim of Raiders always falsely encouraging him to believe he was Travis. And um, this, and then after that, there is a note that says super spoiler, so I'm not going to spoil the super spoiler. Feel, go ahead and spoil the super spoiler. There's no more show and there's never going to be another one. No, I don't care what he says. <laughs> I'd put money on that. But either way, it comes down, I will say it confirms that... Um, there is that uh, the actual Travis is the one from the first season. It confirms that the actual Travis is the one from the first season. Yes. Yeah, and this one is the one from the first season. It's just no, a different no. actor. Now, did you notice in the with the scenes from the end of season one where you saw the actual Travis? Yeah, I did see them. Yeah, I, I watched the season and I'm saying don't take my word for it. Take the word of Philip Jackson. Why? <laughs> Well, I mean, he's telling us that now, but George Lucas told us all along, oh, my Star Wars was 12 films or whatever the hell it was. And that's clearly, you know, Star Wars was not a one-part film <laughs> or wasn't part of a three-part film. It, You know, you can tell by the structure of all the rest of the films. This is, we, you have to go by what's in the show and what's in the show, every indication is that Travis is the sun. We know they have genetic testing. You, I do not believe for a second that they didn't just test him. The 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 he has the divinity cluster. He he his mom recognizes him. Well, Dante doesn't, but his mom does. Uh, it's just saying that he's not the Travis is just is just a ridiculous cop out. And why why is there any? you know, any doubt here that things could have been different for this Travis because Dante and Travis went back in time when at the end of season one to the point where Travis was going to get kidnapped. Just like in this episode where they go back and they change Callie and things are different. We don't know how much different, but one difference is it's definitely not Caravaggio's voice. So I'm guessing it's the it's the 2300 Caravaggio's voice in those final scenes. But why Why do we, you know, why is there any doubt that the timeline played out a bit differently when Dante knew what was going to happen? He didn't stop it from happening, but he, it may have played out differently. And Travis's fate, you know, he might have killed the raider that took Travis as his, uh, as his son, so another one took it. I don't know. But there is just, there is just zero, zero evidence in in evidence, data in evidence that supports the theory that there is any reason to doubt Travis is the son. No, and there is actually. I think the only the only reason that we have that is because he wants to bring Dante back, which you know nobody else wants. But okay, because, okay. What what is the evidence? Which is in that, the episode, which is that first season Travis knows more about the Divinity Cluster than second season Travis does, and. Timeline change. I just said that. That well, I was. We that, don't. Okay. That that used to be my theory. That was before, re, before Star Hunter got got reduxed. That that was my theory. I think it's still the bet the most viable theory. I mean, so for example, what is it that he needs to do to activate his genes? Needs to. It's uh, emotional. Let me get the language here. I have wrote L this out. Let me find the page. I think you read it. Earlier, didn't you? Yes, I did. It's all about your emotions, though, right? Yes, yes, yes. So, here it is. He has to experience these emotions, plural possessive, full intensity in order to control them. Okay, so for simple example, this is not, again, this is not evidence, but I'm I'm using this to support my theory. At least I have grounds to support this. And that is, Dante knows what's going to happen. 
He's gone back in time. He's holding his baby. The Raiders are coming. He knows what's going to happen. Penny's going to die. He's going to escape. His son's going to be captured by the Raiders. So it unfolds differently. We know that the Raiders still get Travis. We know that Penny still gets killed. We don't know what happens to Dante in this in this varying scenario. But if Dante, for example, managed, as I said, kill the Raider that was going to take Travis as his son, and instead a different Raider takes him, then Travis is going to grow up with a different emotional profile. He, he's going to be subjected to different life choices. He's going to be subjected to different discipline, different family surroundings. Perhaps the person that takes him is not in the same, uh, you know, tier of society, reader society as the one that did. And so it makes perfect sense that he may not manifest his divinity cluster as early or at the same time. So, you know, the fact that we saw anything about the first Travis in the first series, other than the fact that he has the divinity cluster, could be completely and utterly changed. I mean, they accelerate his change in this very episode to getting the second gene out. So we know that various circumstances over a short period of time can actually do the job. So, again, it comes back to this is a universe that has genetic testing, which Carr could do on Travis at any moment in a few seconds and go, yep, Travis, not Travis. And I, I cannot believe that Percy didn't require that. Right, I, that, I had the that same was, question. I mean, her. So it 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 is. I just I'm not I'm not buying. I'm not buying that. I think anything that you're being told is setting up uh, a completely revamped third season along the along a revisionist history. The name of which is Solsis. S O L S Y S. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's a it's a ten dollar bet with you that that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, I wish I could afford more, but I, I think it would be safe. But right. anyway, um, I also can't imagine there's anybody demanding a third season. It's not fun to read that. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway, okay. Or a star hunter of any kind, of any of any ilk. Um, let's see. I did notice a callback into Dark and Stormy Night from the first season. Um, okay. How so? Working to Dante and explaining that the divinity cluster does allow for people to travel backward and forward in time uh-huh. and, and therefore leading to, pro, to practical immortality. Uh-huh. And that is what, that's definitely an idea in these two episodes. Yeah, I Yes, I don't see how that leads to their immortality, but you could, um, but okay, the time travel bar, sure. I guess we should take a look at the uh, Travis and Callie line. Um, looks like that's finally going to bloom uh, if they make it, you know, I mean, if it doesn't bloom all over space right. and time in an explosion, <laughs> uh, which, you know, they could completely do now. Yeah. They could completely do that because if they do come back and they want to bring Dante back to it, and it's like, why? But all right. Uh, even though obviously Travis is the one, uh, at least they didn't call him the Kwisatz Haderach. I, uh, <laughs> I th- no I, one said. to throw it a Dune reference. Yeah. Let's see. I, I, should, I should also throw, if I'm going to throw my shade, I might as well throw the shade at this scene too. Uh, again, it's with uh, stupid, stupid CGI tag on scenes. Percy, who is bright, I don't like Percy, she's got a terrible personality, she's BS insane, and, um, you know, she's a destructive force of of evil throughout the universe, but she is bright. So I can kind of, sort of, want to go along and say, maybe Percy, old Percy sitting there, with some sort of computer interface we don't understand, is smart enough to do 5D math. Okay. Maybe. I'll I'll accept that that's a possibility with computer assistance. I I think the interface is absurd, but, um, you know, I mean, it's it's not like she's imparting information with those gestures. 
they're, they're too they're too crude to be whipping out those equations. And if it's all mental power, then why do you have to whip them out with your hands? But I uh, think I do not buy that that moron Dante Montana can understand any of it. And the line hyperspace hangover is the biggest cop out ever in this series. <laughs> like, um, and why did he have to understand it? He didn't do anything with no. that knowledge. He just, you know, well, I don't understand this hyperspace hangover. Okay, well, and, and then at the end, he's like, why, well, you know, I, I hope this hangover lasts a while. But he didn't really do anything with that. And then he ends up at the silly diner at the end of the universe, which I assume those, the cafe waitress was supposed to be one of the, the aliens. Uh, the aliens? Yes. That were, that are coming to eat mankind. And so they're establishing Dante as the man who's going to stop the aliens. Not Travis, who is the one. But I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I'm still, I'm very disappointed in episode two. Well, in fact, well, let's get to this point here. The waitress, um, Dante says, um, um, it's all a bunch of now to you people. These are the, these are the aliens who live in hyperspace. The wormhole aliens yes. from Deep Space Nine. Yeah. It's all now to you folks. Yes. And then the waitress replies, people, people. You think we're some kind, we're some sort of monkeys like you? So this she is definitely a visualization of one of the aliens. Yeah, I I got that, but I mean, she could have been the visualization of something else too. I mean, yes, aliens the most likely candidate because it's the only other thing we've got in this universe. But he is sitting in a ridiculous cafe after a painting. Yeah, with the smoking a cigarette because. You know, Michael Pore likes to smoke cigarettes on screen. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And wearing a fedora. Was, don't forget the fedora. Well, the fedora goes with a picture. Yes. I don't know if the... Uh, I don't remember that picture well enough to know if the woman on, on the guy's left is wearing a red face mask. She but... is. I, I'm looking at a, at a screen capture. And... No, I mean of the real painting. Oh, the real painting. Oh, no, I don't have to look at that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think she's dressed like a red Arab. Okay. Um, or something like that. But it was just, it's a weird combination of that's what the painting looks like and not. So, Marcus Rizolfo really don't do anything. A little skeptical that they could all come together at exactly the right moment. I think I would have, I think I would have preferred it if one of the characters, hell, Percy, fine, give Percy something useful to do. Uh, and and have her figure out a way to communicate with the, the other two universes to do a countdown or something. I'd have been fine with that. And and I would have said, you know, Percy's the one that could have done it. So, you know, all right. Uh, let's see. Oh, yes, her her reasons for not liking hyperspace. Okay, okay. Uh, it's like being in an eternity... Locked in a cell with no windows. Okay. So do we, are we saying then that she experienced a severe passage of time? We've already, in personal time, in previous episodes, we've already established that those, all those years that Percy was in hyperspace on the bridge of the tulip, she was aware of the passage of time. But she didn't age. Not much. See, that's the part that's kind of confusing. Uh, not because they didn't want to put her in makeup, but just I'm of the impression that she had some passage of time, but not 15 years or whatever it is. Exactly. It was um, a, a slowed rate of aging. But in this one, it sounds more like she was in there a long time in her mind. It could, which, it, you know, it could I, have felt we, that way. I, sus I suspect that a long weekend feels that way to Percy. Um, if she's bored. So, yeah. But then she gives the weird line, the reason I don't want to go into hyperspace is in case I miss Dante. I don't get that. If Dante is in hyperspace, she's more likely to find him there. And the same argument goes for going to the bathroom. I mean, if Dante is just likely to pop up somewhere and she's, oh, I... Good thing I didn't miss you. But if she's gone to the bathroom and he pops up in the mess hall for a few seconds and she missed it, it's it's all the same. I mean, 
What does she expect Dante is going to do? I don't quite understand. Um, I also think it's very interesting that that they uh, Dante in the revised footage says it was me. Yeah, but I was, was the one that I was gonna, did the jump. I was going to mention that if you didn't, um, which would imply that he actually might be the carrier of the divinity cluster genes. Well, everyone on the earth is, but in other words, he might be further along. But again, seemed pretty clear it was Penny that was bringing that but, to the table. But remember, at the end of season one, the some agents of the orchard had introduced the divinity club. Had, um, oh, that's true. Had, that's had right. They did. Him. That's right. They did. Okay. So I can accept that that was just a uh, a manifestation of that. And and okay, and I'll I'll even go so far as to say this. My guess, I, I'm I'm I'll give benefit of of some doubt to to Mister Jackson. Okay, I don't doubt that he didn't have a vague outline of where he'd hoped this show would go over several years, because by this point we're past Avalon Five, and you know that's kind of the the trendy thing to do so it doesn't it, I don't doubt that he didn't have a 3 by 5 index card for each year that said Dante searches for son Dante loses son searches for son more series 3 Dante fights the aliens series 4 Dante does whatever you know whatever at that level I don't, I don't there's no evidence that there's any forethought planned in anything so far beyond that level so if if we were to work on the assumption that Dante was to continue through the general path, right, this would be the moment where he gets the divinity cluster and he is now moved on to the spot where he might be the one that he might activate the divinity cluster in the second season if there had been a second season and then be in the position to do whatever it is they're setting up the third season to start the fight against the, the aliens. That's my guess at that level. So I'll 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 go along with the idea that that what they did there is setting Dante up to do what Travis is going to have to do now, based on you know events that came afterwards. But yeah, it's just you know, and and the machinations of the orchard just don't float my boat. So I mean, they got the guy who's working on it. They decide to kill him off and. Yep, now you're going to all join on and be part of the wasp food fodder for the human race. I, I again, it seems like it seems like something you wouldn't want. Just like Eccleston figured it out. Well, we don't want this. It's a bad idea. I have something else for you to consider. Okay, and this is from Philip Jackson. Okay, um, I'll paraphrase this from the email. He said there is an open question which he did not answer in the in the in the in the episode. Okay. As to whether the older Dante and Percy we see are from the reality of the rest of that last episode or their or their alternative universe future counterparts. But <laughs> Well, okay. And then he, and, um, and, and, and to quote a, I will quote one line from this email on this matter. Really attentive attention to the dialogue only hints at which is the truth. I mean, it's not really an open question if the question's not asked. Um, but okay. Or even hinted at. Um, well, you paid close attention to the dialogue. Did you get, did you see it? I looked for it and I am, um, and I interpret it as there the, older in in universe versions on the on the uh, oh. on the other hand <laughs> like... um we do know that in sight episodes such as a twist in time from the first season that parallel universes do exist within star hunter uh -huh. so it i mean it's, it's a very subtle point and a difference that makes no difference is no difference I right the, i mean I, and, and, he, and jackson didn't write this but i can read between the lines to say that this may be something he's has planned for for solstice 
Well, I mean, this is it's bound to be his way of trying to get the system back to uh, Dante centric series. Yeah, you know, and uh, okay, here's here's your careful attention to the here's here it is here's the careful attention to dialogue that says that they're from a different universe. He passes through Travis. And he says, "There's one thing I know: that man's not my son." There you go. It's because he's the son of Dante from another universe. There's your there's your close attention to detail. I mean, it it's like it is his son. It's clearly his son. Everything in this show says it's his son, except his bad instincts, which say that's not my son. So yeah, he's he's Dante from a parallel different universe. Uh, it doesn't make any difference. I mean, I don't see any way to make it any difference. And if Percy, if young Percy got that Dante back, would she care? Would they know? <laughs> would it, you know, if he popped in suddenly, it's like you're back. Yeah, I'm back. Would he even know he's in a different universe? Uh, yeah, question. I mean, I, I, I think the only thing that we were supposed to get, and I don't see how this works, is when Callie shows up again, the voice of Caravaggio changes. And I don't think that would have been in the original, because in the original it would have been... The same actor. Uh, it would have been the same whose actor. Whose name so, was... It, let me look at that. Uh, ego... Here we are. The voice, the actor playing Caravaggio in Star Hunter 2300 was Graham Harley. Graham Harley, okay. So when they retrofitted the episode and they decided, to, there's two things that could have happened. They either could have, dis, they either decided to leave that behind or for some reason they couldn't read up. Now, did the computer voice in 2300 Caravaggio is not there either, right? Necessarily not good. I mean, first of all, I'm sure I understand the question here. Okay, there is. Okay, so in the. Okay, when. Do in, we, in, go ahead. All right, in Redux, when they're in their color shifted modes, okay. they are talking to a computer that is not Caravaggio. Actually, exactly, it's not Caravaggio's voice. That, that's right. That's a some voice. I've never heard the voice on any other episode. Okay, and that was true in 2300. Yes, it was. Mm, uh, and okay. when people reintegrated the three color shifted bubbles or whatever then uh, we got Caravaggio back and we and in 2300 we got Caravaggio back in the form of Mr. Harley or Harvey Harley or Graham Graham Harley Harley yes so we did see him and then Callie shows up and it's still Harley's voice yes so there is no change now one of two things could have happened one it could be an intent to tell us that the timeline has changed now I'll explain why that's the, the, the a bad idea, but I'll... The timeline has changed because Kelly's back. Beyond just that minimal change. But bear with me. And the other alternative is that, as is in a couple of cases we've seen in the Redux version, they have done a very, very poor job of replacing Caravaggio. They, there have been a couple of scenes where it feels like they've actually either overdubbed the voice when it wouldn't have been overdubbed or there is a shot against a, like a plain blank wall that feels like it was inserted afterwards. And that could be because they couldn't extract Harley's voice from the soundtrack. Could have, they didn't have the elements to extract it and so they had to work around that could have been. in some other way. And so it's possible that they just couldn't extract his voice from this scene. And instead of reshooting it they thought, hey, let's throw that in. Let's leave it in as a sort of an Easter egg or whatever you want to call. I I don't know. The reason I don't think it, it makes a logical change, and since it's not in the original, it was not originally intended, uh, it doesn't make a logical change, is they didn't go far enough back in time when they changed Cali, fate, right? They didn't, they didn't go back to a point where they really had time for there to be a logical reason why Caravaggio would be different. Like they had to boot up a different version of him or or something. If they'd gone back prior to Kate, maybe, you know, that had been yeah. Percy mucking around with it, screwed up or something. But just from the moment that they went back to to save Callie, you know, they've been pretty much on the run. They would not have been re taking the time to boot up a new version of Caravaggio uh, in the in the system. So, I, I, yeah, just curious, just, just a bit curious uh, about the way they did it. I don't know that I have anything else. Um, 
No, I'm. That's it for me. I, I, you know, I normally uh, sit down and and give some thought to a series overview, but I mean, I think it's, I think it's painfully clear that I'm not necessarily enjoyed Star yeah. to Redux um, along the way. I, I don't, you know, it's not like, hey, Buck Rogers was amusing but not very good, and then they ruined it, or. Space 1999 had some interesting ideas and then they ruined it. Um, in this case, they completely revamped the show and they didn't ruin it. And in some ways they did improve it, but just the quality of the writing on these episodes is just not... Uh, somebody, somebody, and I can't remember who it was, um, it might have been Simon uh, actually sort of defending Star Hunter. I might have been, been kibitzing about yeah. something. And and his point, and if it's not Simon, I apologize, but I think it was. Uh, his point was is that, and, and again, putting, he, he's not watched as many episodes, so I don't want to be putting words in his mouth. Um, but coming from a standpoint of didn't like Star Hunter, thought the direction was catastrophically bad. But the benefit was is that it actually has interesting ideas. It actually brings some interesting ideas into the stories. And I'll go. I'll grant that they they have made an effort to try to come up with some interesting sci-fi ideas. Their execution is horrifically bad, but they have tried, and a lot of shows don't even do that. Right. And so uh, that I guess I'll put that in the plus column for them. You know, for example, the idea of the drug that you beat yourself to death and. and- well, it's yeah, it's it's sort of interesting concept, but the execution of it fails because of the way the story wraps around it. It's like, oh, yes, it's so much so you will kill yourself for the kicks. And, you know, that doesn't make economic sense. That doesn't make sense unless it's intended to be wiping out the population. No evidence of that. So, I mean, there there could have been any number of ways that they could have turned that concept, but it's a recreational drug that people get hooked on and kill themselves. Doesn't, doesn't work. And you could have worked that idea. Some of the ideas with regards to the divinity cluster could have been, could have been worked a little more interesting. Just, they, they definitely, they definitely were trying. I just, it just, it just misses. And, and I, I wish I had a, I wish I had an answer. I, I don't, I genuinely don't like, well, one of the things I, I don't like is I don't like actually having to come afterwards and then explain why I don't like it. Um, because I feel like I am being, and I'm, I'm not even going to bleep this, I feel like I'm being an asshole from one end to the other when I'm watching this show. And I, you know, I, I don't, I genuinely don't like to do that. I would prefer to be able to, you know, at least hem and haw and say, yeah, let's star lost. At least I had fun. We're man from Atlantis in some cases. Uh, uh, you know, I, at least I had fun. Tanya didn't, didn't do that for me. And I, and I know you're a big fan. And so yeah. I'm sitting here saying that and, and I, I feel like I'm kicking a puppy and I, I feel like right. I'm kicking your puppy that's right. and I don't like that's that. Okay. We're, we're all entitled to our opinions. Uh, that's fine. And, uh, you do, you do back your, do back yours up and that's, what we teach people to do. Um, the, and so I don't take it personally, so don't bother about that. And uh, the, uh, I will say this, that um, I prefer the first season to the second. The first season um, does have the, does have the bookends of the divinity cluster being in the front in the first episode in the last episode mm-hmm. and in most of the episodes in the middle. And so there is that thread running through. And, right. and so season one has a unified feeling. And season two feels like two half seasons to me. I'll agree with that. I feel like I feel like when they got to the second half of it, they decided, I'm going back to my stuff. Right. I'm going back to my Divinity Cluster stuff. They told me I couldn't do it, but now it's too late. They've given me the money or something. I don't know. But it definitely feels like, you know, I'm sure that there was some criticism 
from an equity level. We, we know that happens. We happens right. on every show. And your funding is contingent upon that. And I, I definitely have read that somebody didn't like Mr. Michael Pere in the role. And that, you know, led to uh, Clive Robertson character being brought in. But yeah, I, I kind of feel like, yeah, right down the middle almost. Suddenly it's just like back to the, back to the divinity cluster stuff. And it, but of course it's different, isn't it? Yes. It, it, the, even the divinity cluster stuff is, is suddenly not quite the same. I think it's only in this episode, Hyperspace 2, that they even mention the aliens again. Yes, you're right. Coming forth. You know, the, the whole threat of the aliens coming forth. So it, up, up to this point, if you'd only watched season two, the divinity cluster actually sounds like a good thing. Yeah. You know, there's, there's no there's no evil to it. I mean, mankind gets, you can still get to be mankind and you get to go do this cool hyperspace stuff. Okay. But then suddenly it's like back to, by the way, the aliens are going to eat you. And there are, there are things about the first season. I think the first season's got a higher concept point. I'll give it that. I think it's, it's not even. I think the divinity cluster stuff that they, that they've, that they weave throughout it is so different from one manifestation to the next assuming that all those things that happened brother five and all that stuff are are all um was brother five the one that was the yes that was the the, the, the cult, faith healer the, yes, the, the, the cult yeah. leader the cult leader yeah okay all those and the child who gets cold and does see right. you know they 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 supposedly i guess all divinity cluster things but yet they're not consistent enough and they're not tied together enough that you could go oh yeah okay this is it's just sort of weird things are happening to mankind i think they could have tied that up a little bit better i think that if they could have you know written an extra 50 iq points for dante montana so that he'd at least have a room temperature iq would have been handy because he's a stupid man and he does stupid things all the time and I'm not buying that. I mean, I I kind of buy the idea that a bounty hunter might not be the brightest man on the planet, but at the same time, you know, he's, this is supposed to be the future. And I mean, he makes some really, really poor decisions through the course of the series. So yeah, coming to season two, I like Clive Robertson like a thousand times better than Michael Pere. It is by far, he's, he's, he doesn't make stupid decisions. He's charismatic, whereas I don't think Pere is. He's got uh, he's got a presence. He's loyal. Yes, he is. He's even a little better than dealing with uh, dealing with Percy. But okay, Dante has a parent child relationship, so that's that's a different thing altogether. But that's better. But I do think that the writing is. Again, they still hit with the, the concepts, but in a way it is a little less imaginative. It is a little bit more tried and true space opera. It's just kind of, meh, meh. There's a lot of, meh, episodes along the way. And then we get in here. And like I say, Hyperspace 1, I thought they finally cracked the nut. I, I can't even tell you why exactly. It's just I was watching it. Maybe I was... Maybe I was on a little adrenaline up because I'm going like, this is it. I'm done. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but I don't think so because, you know, I, I, I try not to, to, to presuppose it as I go into the episode and I, and I watched it and I genuinely enjoyed hyperspace one. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, I did kind of like Supermax uh, in the first season. And did I like this one better? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. I think I like this one better and go out on a high guys. And then we fall back to the same stuff they've done before with the split universes and the villains' motivations don't make sense and talky, talky, and yeah, I don't know. Oh, well, it's it's done. It's done. And listeners, you're probably listening to this in the year 2025 by the time these spool out. Um, <laughs> not entirely sure. I haven't count, counted the days yet until I'll go, but... Uh, uh, it's it's been a it's been a rollicking it's been a rollicking journey and a bit of a rough ride at times, but we're here at the end. And I do I wanna say thank you, Kenneth, 
for I never heard of the show. I and I and I really am, you know, I'm open to sit and watch it and I watch through it and not my cup of tea, but uh, you know, that's that's somebody somebody does and uh, you do, other people do. It's not just you know, it's just one of those things. I never liked Seinfeld. You know, hugely popular comedy. I watch that and it's just like it's not really yeah. funny. And you know, Cheers, fantastic. Um, but Seinfeld eh, just didn't didn't work for it's me. A, so remember, it's a Junior Mint. <laughs> I like Junior Mints though. See, so, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, but I do appreciate it. I you know I appreciate that you that you came in here and you you did the time and and bore with me as I kicked your puppy. <laughs> that's, that's all right. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. And, uh, uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, thank you're you. Welcome. Thank you for that. I'm going to give you the opportunity to the final sum up though on Star Hunter Redux. What your final thoughts on the show? Oh, I accept that um, some of your critiques are valid and um, um, but I don't kick the puppy. But uh, I do. I say I do enjoy it, and in time, I will sit back again and do a rewatch, and I'll probably still enjoy the first season more than the second. And I and I do look forward to the third season whenever the hell it comes out. <laughs> that that has got to be the dark horse race of the century in television. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I I mean. I thought I thought it was a miracle Babylon Five got its fifth season right, so it could happen. Yeah. It could happen, listeners. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at BuyMeACoffee.com/FusionPatrol or Patreon.com/FusionPatrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at FusionPatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash FusionPatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Next time on Fusion Patrol Movie Night, we look at the TV movie starring Andy Griffith that inspired countless school children to shoot for the moon. It's 1979's Salvage, sometimes referred to as Salvage One, where the owner of a junkyard builds and launches a rocket ship. Its destination, the moon. Come join the conversation. <laughs>